Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that's been up and down like a hool's drawers over the past few days. This week on Heart and Hand, from the highs of Thursday to the lows of Sunday. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and I'm joined this week by two fellow Bears. Uh, one, the very handsome, Mr Andy McGowan. Hello David. And two, the very virginal, Mr James Forrest. Hello David, hello Andy. So gentlemen, uh, of course, only one place to start this week. And I have to confess to uh, a huge feeling of disappointment after yesterday's 1-0 defeat at the House of Lies because I, I felt that we were capable of going and competing more than we had previously, which, you know, we did, clearly. But I, I was, even though I understand why, and we'll come to the reasons, there are obviously reasons, not excuses, but there are reasons why Rangers set up and played the way they did, but... Put it this way, if the next time we play them, be it at Hamden or be it at Ibrox, we do not get in their faces and go out after them like a fucking hurricane, I'm going to be a very unhappy camper, Andy. Aye, uh, it was, I was the same as you. I, I'll, I'll be honest, I, going into this game, I couldn't see us no coming away with something. Um, it was just, I was so confident and based on and the, the way we've been playing over the last 12 games, I just thought that we were we were capable of coming away with something, and I don't I don't know if that, if that was realistic looking back at it now because the Thursday game in Russia obviously was a factor on Sunday it had to be a factor, so maybe we should have taken that into consideration more um, in the context of what actually happened. I think so. I mean, I think that that clearly part of the setup 
the, the manager, or rather the tactical plan, which was clearly to sit off. And you have to say to try and defend deep and maybe hit Celtic on the counter or, or nick something from a set piece and frustrate them. You have to s- suppose, James, that that was based on the manager taking into account the exertions on Thursday night and resulting physical and mental, probably more so mental tiredness that the players might be feeling after that? I think after the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the game, it was very clear that that was going to be the plan. And you were maybe hoping that if we were still in it with maybe 10, 15 minutes to go, that the players would maybe push on a bit, we would start more attacks and see if we could nick a goal, either a, either a draw or a win. But it was, you know, partly down to the fact that Celtic really came out the traps early on and were really kind of pushing on the attack and they were well, relentless the, in their attack as well. They, they, were after a, they, they were after about 10 minutes. I thought the first 10 minutes that they sort of wanted to see... And remember, they weren't coming into this exactly in the best frame of mind. I I thought they wanted to see what we had, what the lie of the land was. And I think that was our window of opportunity to try and get at them. And that might have altered the tenor of the match. After about 10 to 15 minutes, they kind of realised what we were doing, which was, you can have the ball and come at us. And we went at us. And for half an hour, up until the start of the second half, it was non-stop. Yeah, and I think, I mean, we knew from from the start that our players would be more tired than what would have been ideal. Um, my hope was that we would maybe really go at them for that first sort of ten fifteen minute spell, see if we can get a few a few shots, maybe get a goal or something like that, and then we do what we did, which was sort of sit and frustrate them. Because um, I think the way that they would have approached the game would have been very different had they been won down by that point and they would have found our playing style a lot more frustrating but it was something that they were able to deal with a lot more of course when the game was still in the balance and once they, as you say, once they settled into the game it became a lot harder for us and we needed to have really, really strong guys at the back and you know, luckily for us we, we have that now in guys like... Goldson and Katic and McGregor you know we've got guys who are much more capable of dealing with that for longer spells um, but it's not and never will be an ideal way to approach an old firm game I think Andy the the issue I have is that to do that it's a long old shift and it just takes one to kind of undo it I don't mind the old Walton Accio thing, but you've got to carry a threat up front, and we didn't. Um, we played the ball long, it just kept coming back, and as the game went on, they grew more confident. Now, the argument I've seen is that around the time that we conceded the goal, they, their fans were starting to get frustrated and so were their players, and that's possibly true. But again, you know, it just takes one to to shift that whole balance, whereas I don't think we were offering enough to keep them honest at the back, if you know what I mean. So they didn't have to leave men back. They didn't have to be unduly concerned. It let them focus almost entirely on attack. And it really, in the first half, was very much just attack v defence. Aye. Um, After 10 minutes, I was surprised at how we were set up. And I was a wee bit worried at that point because... It was totally unlike what we've seen today from, from the Gerard Rangers team. So what we've seen over the last 12 games generally has been a very good 
intelligent press. So I don't mean everybody's press up, it just mean that like a as area, they would press at the right times without giving away the shape at the back or in the middle of the park. We weren't doing that yesterday. What we were doing was uh, sitting the two banks of four essentially, um, and, and maybe letting either Ken or Lafferty drift up to too close to Morelos, and we were sitting in, um, and and I thought this is different. This is something that we've not seen so far. Um, and you're right, the, the attacking threat wasn't there. What I've noticed is that in the Motherwell second half in uh, Parkhead yesterday, we've not done what we have been good at, which is be brave in the ball, take the ball for the goalkeeper, let the centre-halves build the play for the back and actually work through teams and get them moving. We've, we've tended to, as you said there, hit it long diagonally, uh, take Lafferty's head, uh, take the easy option and just hit it long um, without actually trying to build play. And and that was a concern to me yesterday because, as you say, as the game went on, that became the kind of default for us and it just gave Celtic a signal to say, look, we're going to have the ball back up to you. They're good at building for the back. We're not going to press you too much at the back and they can pick their pick their play. Um, so as the game went on, their, their pressure was increasing and increasing, as we know, and eventually it got to the point where we were so entrenched in what we'd started to do that we couldn't get out. We couldn't start playing the football we know we can play. And we only seen slight glimpses in the last 10, 15 minutes. Uh, that actually something started to change I think that for me the the, the problem there as I say was it allowed Celtic to just focus entirely on coming forward without having to worry about their weakest area which is their defence so their defenders could push up and Rangers never really looked like troubling them in that first half we also allowed Incham who's their best player by some distance to play having watched the game back because obviously when you're sitting watching it at the time and everything seems as though it's going to be, you know, heart-in-the-mouth stuff the whole time. A few things to point out is that Celtic didn't really get in behind us that often. Now, yes, they have, as has been pointed out endlessly. They, they hit the bar twice in the first half with a long shot and a, a header at a set piece. But they weren't playing their way through us or just walking through us the way they did in matches we've seen recently. Connor Goldson was even better watching it back than I thought he'd been at the time, and I thought he'd been good. Don't get me wrong, but he's a magnificent centre half, James. Goldson is a colossus. He really is. Um, it's no coincidence, I think, that our worst defensive display of the season, which was at Fur Park, coincided with his worst game for us. You know, I think he is magnificent at what he does both in a defensive sense but also you know I've said it before he's got a wee bit of the baguette about him that you know his distribution's very good and he can he can come out with the ball a wee bit as well so he's got the full package we should feel very very you know pleased to have a defender as as good as that at the stage that he is at his career with us I think he's I think he's fantastic and yeah you're right he is He's not someone who's going to get bullied by any, you know, attack um, when when he's on form. And we said this actually after the Motherwell game. Well, we hope that that's that's his bad game out of the way, and he'll have two solid performances against Ufa and Celtic. And he absolutely did. Um, it's just a shame that you know the result went the way that it did. But he absolutely um, among. A few, a couple of other guys in the team, I think as well, did all that he could to help the side. 
Um, as the, the half went on, Celtic, as I say, had most of the play. But like I said, when you watch it back, they weren't playing their way through us. Their wide men weren't getting a lot of change. And our, our strategy in terms of defending was, to a point, working. We did rely on some good saves. Uh, Alan McGregor making a good stop from Eduardo, although he really should have scored. And, uh, of course, as I say, they hit the bar twice. And yeah, you, you can say we rode our luck a little bit. One thing that I do want to say that's kind of annoyed me is I've read on, on social media quite a lot is people saying, well, if it wasn't for the defenders and the goalkeeper, it could have been 5 now." And it's like, well, yes, that's why you have defenders and a goalkeeper. That's why we bought better ones. That's why we didn't just keep Russell Martin. Uh, that That's the idea of it. So that's not luck. You know, that's that's us planning for this. But I did think that we looked jaded and I did think that we sat off them and it, and it didn't really look like the Rangers team that we'd been witnessing up to this up to this point. Uh, into the second half and more of the same, but less continual at this point. And maybe the game plan was working. And look, hey, if it stays nil-nil, it's a decent result. Or if we nick one, it's a brilliant result. So it, it is the fine margins. But again, Andy, if you set yourself up that way, it is fine margins. It, it, you know, it does come down then. You're setting yourself up basically wholly for the result, which means if you get the result, great. But if you don't, then there's not very much for people to hang their hat on to. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're spotting about the fact that Celtic weren't playing through us and uh, most of their attack, not most of them, but most of their dangerous moments in the game were coming for white balls or set pieces and the, the multitude of corner kicks that we kept giving them. Um, one we thing I wanted to point out was about Arfield. Arfield is one of our best pressing players, and yesterday he didn't press. But the reason he didn't press is for that exact reason. What we are talking about is Celtic's ability to play through teams is, is Callum McGregor. He's a link man, and Arfield shielded McGregor the whole game. I say quietly, so I've seen McGregor against Rangers ever, and that was because of that tactic. So I, I don't think we need to. Turn this into we played well or in that, but I think we do need to look at what actually we were set up for, which was to stop them doing their natural game, and they were they were reduced to getting Tierney as wide as possible, the odd ball for him, but mostly it was free kicks in and around the box and the corner kicks, as you say. The problem is that the way we set up there is we need to get the first goal really to to have a chance of winning the game. Once you you lose a goal, it becomes very very hard then to turn that game for what you've been playing into. Uh, the kind of attacking force that we've seen to, to, to kind of try and get a result out of it. There was knees up yesterday, there was knee legs, and again, can we be surprised at that after the, the kind of mountainous result we got in, in Russia? I don't think we can underestimate that. But um, I was, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I think we could have had a different game yesterday if we'd been a wee bit braver on the ball. And, and for that, I'm talking about our three midfielders, Azaria, Azaria, Ryan Jack, and, and we Arfield. I just thought that we didn't take the ball off the goal enough, we didn't take the ball off the centre-halves enough, we didn't try to do the things that we're good at, which is play football through the through the field. Um, and I think if you're no holding on to the ball, you're going to have wave after wave attack, especially when Celtic with their tails up. That's how it played out yesterday. I think that was our biggest problem. I, th- I totally agree. I think Rangers set up to play 50% of a football match, which was the defensive side, and that was clearly the intention. That's how we were set up, and they did it. And to be honest, they did it mainly. They did it well. But we expect a bit more, certainly in this particular game. 
I expected, hoped for a bit more. I, I get that there are circumstances, but it's it's left me flat. It's left me disappointed. I'd be I'd be lying if I said I didn't. And we'll come to you know, I'm not panicking or or thinking oh we're doomed or anything. No, no, we're not even close to it. I understand the circumstances, but it was a bit frustrating. But to echo your point, I 100% agree. There was a lack of that word that you used there was bravery on the ball. There was a lack of wanting the ball in tight spaces, but using it for possession, trying the pass, moving it, doing the things that we've done. And look, when you're playing for Rangers, to, to get anywhere, you have to be brave on the ball because A, it's going to be in big matches like that against Celtic, or B, you're going to be getting pressed or harried or teams with massive defensive lines against you domestically. So you have to have that confidence in yourself to take the ball and we have been doing it but we didn't do it at all yesterday in the end we just resorted to lumping it to the two strikers who you know there wasn't an awful lot they can do and you end up James you don't play to a striker then you start playing at them and that's all Rangers were doing which was get ball kick vaguely in direction of Lafferty or Morelos hope and you're not going to score from that position and more importantly you're not even going to threaten to get Celtic thinking about we need to leave a man back we need to do this we need to do that you let them focus entirely on their game Aye it's it's a it's a hard task for any attacker to be you know playing playing that game Um, more often than not the ball was up to Lafferty in the hope that he's going to knock it on for Morelos and then either he takes on the he takes on the shot or he maybe plays it back to Lafferty or something like that. And, you know, if that's if that's what you're gonna do for ninety minutes, then, you know, you've got to be you're you're always gonna need that little bit of luck for it to come off on that one occasion. Um I, I, again I, I get why the thinking was that's something we need to do because again it's about the the tiredness factor and you know, these guys would have been uh, about Nagar, possibly less so Morelos for obvious reasons, of course. But um, yeah, it's not it's not a fun task that it's not an easy task that. But you know, Lafferty being in there, he's he's going to do that job for you um, if if you ask him to do that. And I thought he did it manfully. If you um, watch the game back yeah. again, folks, Lafferty, the work he put in yesterday, getting up and down the field, supporting his fullback as well. I mean, he put one hell of a shift in, and because it was a lot of work rather than anything that you can point to and say, well, that was brilliant from him. I don't think he'll get much praise, but uh, in terms of the guy we were wondering, the guy we signed, is he a different type of player? The, the Kyle Lafferty, the first time round didn't do that it wasn't his game but he had a hell of a shift yesterday and I was really impressed as I say with uh, even there was five minutes to go and he made a 70 yard run tracking back to stop Celtic getting easy possession it was things like that and I just thought deserved praise yeah no he he thrives in games like these of course as as we well know and what's interesting is we we kind of looked like based on all our European games that we've got a very kind of settled side for games like that where your attacking trio is going to be Candace, Morelos and Kent um, but when we were thinking what the lineup's going to be I think every person who I spoke to said Lafferty's in there and most likely he'll be on the left or on the right or something like that so you know it's, it's very obvious that these are games that he, he thrives on and as you say he showed yesterday, yesterday that he 
he really wants to impress in, in these games because he's not he's not afraid of them you know that's the thing and it's what we said as well lots of players that we've had and maybe a couple that we still have have this fear of these kind of games but we're starting to you know it's the same for McGregor as well these guys don't fear that and you saw that with Goldson too so there's less fear involved which is why I think that you know result and performance yes disappointing but you can criticise the heart of the team I think because you know they they showed a lot more than what we've seen going back a good couple of years so small positives you can take from situations like that but I think that's one of them and you know performances like Lafferty's and Golson's and McGregor's are prime examples of that yeah, I mean, I think that I can't criticise the effort and the work rate and I'm sure there are people at home sitting saying what I would normally say in those circumstances, which is, yeah, but that should be a given. But we saw Andy last season when it wasn't a given and when players didn't work as hard as they had to do. Um, so that is good. But again, while there was no fear of Celtic, and I'd agree with that, uh, I think we showed them too much respect. Absolutely. I mean, the the... What we've seen so far to the, the Gerard Rangers is that they are well coached, they're well drilled. Everybody in the team knows their, their role and they're playing for each other. And uh, they kind of kind of dovetail with each other, if you like. So if you look at combinations around the park, you've got Tavernier and Candice, you've got um, Arfield and Najari have done well together. Things like that are happening, which, which gives me great heart going forward and was one of the reasons getting into the game I thought we were... We were, I thought we were a team that would be able to go to Parkhead and kind of do what we tried to do yesterday, which is sit in to a degree, but able to hit them on the break. With the guys Lafferty, that he had a shift. I don't think it had much impact in the game, to be honest with you. Um, no, he didn't. I think he's he he a, didn't go in forward, no. No, no. The, I don't think he did, to be honest. But no. he's got a greater appreciation, both literally and football-wise, of being at Rangers. I think he's... He's came back acknowledging the fact that he's a very, very lucky professional football player to get back here, um, given the circumstances of the first time round. Um, so the only thing I would see yesterday, and this, this is a criticism, is that I thought that physically we didn't match up to Celtic as well as we could. One of the one of the, the things I've been really happy with in terms of the rec- recruitment is the the stature, the build, the physique, and the physicality of players generally that have, we've signed. But yesterday I felt, and it may have just been because I was in the game and I was getting frustrated, um, I thought that a lot of times we weren't coming out with, with balls that we should have been winning. And that was for players that should be doing it, like Ryan Jack and uh, Lee Malero, Morelos at times. Um, I think the key area was obviously in the middle of the park. And Azaria, who for the start of the season I thought he was a cracking player, but we could see that there's a physical efficiency for a guy that's six foot odds um, and it was showing up yesterday I thought he, he was absolutely boss but then Cham who had had the, the power and the work rate that it, it just it blew him away to be honest and I think that was one of the key areas yesterday that uh, we're talking about trying to be brave the ball and playing football which area is key to that because he is good in the ball and he can take a ball with a man at his back yesterday that never happened because physically he just wasn't at it I agree totally physically he wasn't um, capable I don't think Yesterday And he looked like He was 
done. He looked as he had nothing in, the, in his legs and he was a passenger, in all honesty. And I agree, I think he's a good player. I think he's been important for us. I think he's played well for us. But yesterday was not his game. I was surprised that he started, in all honesty, because he, he put such a shift in on Thursday night that I thought the manager might freshen it up in there a little bit. And... As we say, you know, ironically, of course, uh, Rangers concede when they are a bit further forward. Ryan Jack gets caught by Tom Rogic on the edge of the box. Um, I thought it was a free kick. Thought it was a free kick at the time, but still, I'm not gonna um, for all the the gleeful Tims that'll be listening into the show trying to uh, who are waiting for me to to greet about it. We've still got eight yards to deal with it, and we don't. So from that point of view. Shit happens. It's one of those decisions, James, that I think a referee gives if it's a defender, because uh, if it's on a defender, rather, as we saw with Morelos and Lafferty, he gave them constantly. But because it would lead to an attacking free kick, it's one of those fouls. It's never going to be a penalty for a foul like that, for example. Further up the park, he gives it no bother. I think it's it's easier to just not give that. But it, it probably was a foul. I thought. But afterwards, they, they then break and uh, Ajaria misses his opportunity to haul Rogic down, which he should have done, and took the foul, uh, took the booking. Celtic break on us, have the advantage. Um, poor from him and Tav, they, they don't work hard enough to get back. Celtic cut us open, tap in for Edward, 1-0. Dynamic of the game totally changed. Aye, um, on the foul, I, I was kind of with you at the time, I thought foul, but um, looking back on that, I, I get your point, it's, it's probably about where in the park that, that does take place, I think that's, that's fair, in the middle of the park you probably do give that, I'm not a referee, I know there's a, a few guys who are, so they, they probably have a better kind of scope for that kind of thing as to whether that really makes a, a huge difference in terms of where in the park, outside the penalty area, of course. But um, you're right, that's not the defining fact. I know after the game, Stephen Gerrard was saying that, you know, the, the fourth official saying, it's a foul, it's a foul, it's a foul. But where the fourth official is and where the referee is at that point, you're kind of like, mm, so it's a, it's a tricky one, you know. And But the problem is, Ajari are not bringing down the man absolutely and you know if if he does that and if you flip that if it was us on the break and a Celtic player brings down one of our guys in that position we'd be absolutely livid but you've got to that, that's that's being professional that's got you've got to take the fill you've got to take the booking if you've got to but I don't think Ajari is that kind of player that is necessarily about you know you talk about attacking work rate and defensive work rate I think Ajari is much more attack-minded than he is defensively. Not to say that, that that undermines him as a player, because I think you're right, I think he has been very, very good for us up to now, but I almost think that games like these aren't quite what he's ready for yet. I think he's still got some maturing to do in terms of you know, the, these emotional games almost. Um, ideally, you'd have had someone like Koulibaly in there, Oh, we missed him dreadfully. He, we missed yeah, him dreadfully. Absolutely. He's, he, I think if he was fit, he would have been in there instead of Ajaria without question. Um, and I think he would have brought Rogic down in, in that area. No, no question whatsoever. But again, we're talking about this. Once again, Tavernier getting caught out in position, not tracking back because he, you know, again, we talk about attacking 
work rate and defensive work rate. Tav is just, you know, as a as a defensive fullback, he frustrates you so much, even even though he actually probably had one of his better defensive games, he's still not there at the crucial moment. And it's just annoying as hell that you have to say this time and time again. And the guy has so many defenders, ironically enough, but it's just, you know, how many times do we need to go over this with, with the guy? He needs to work on this part of his game a lot more because too often, especially at the moment in, in games, we're finding that he's one of the, if not the culpable guy in conceding goals. So it's very frustrating. But at the time, and again, looking back on it, you know, the goal came at a point where you're thinking, yeah, it's only a matter of time if we continue to play like this. And as you say, the frustrating thing is, is when we actually start to show a bit of attacking intent, it's when we concede. So, you know, the the game plan up to that point has either just gone out the window and they've tried something else, or that was always part of the plan, get it to 60 and then, you know, let's, let's press up a wee bit, let's try and see if we can nick a goal. So, yeah, very frustrating. Andy? I thought I thought Ryan Jack was really poor at that. Uh, so forget about the foul. I thought his, his attempt to, to win the ball in the air was diabolical. To be honest, for a guy of his his uh, capabilities, I was really disappointed. Um, it was a foul. Um, when you hear John Beaton saying it's a foul, that tells you how much a foul it was, right? Um, I don't think we you should be getting a, getting a, losing the ball at like that part of the pitch and, and losing a goal for it as we know we've just spoke about that so I think Azari and Tav you've covered that James but what I, what I want to say about the decision on the foul is in the context of that game Colin was getting fouls for things yeah, he was. against Morelos right yeah. where you, you would look at them and say right if that's a foul how in the name of fuck is that not a foul then because it, it, it was just one of the ones where in the context of the game you say well that's a foul because he'd been getting foul all game for it um, and it is Disney for, for some reason there. Now, I'm I'm not going to say right, refs are out to get and ask you to I'm not I'm not into that right. But what I will say is, Casinha had this last year, <laughs> and I'm not saying Casinha would still be here or end like that. Right? Don't even start saying that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that Casinha was sunk before he even get a chance because we look back at the Hibs game and all that kind of stuff last season because of poor decisions and the accumulation of them was that semi-final against Motherwell, which was actually his swan song. Gerard's getting full, uh, fine margins against him when it comes to referees in Scotland, which are costing us big time. Right? We've got the Aberdeen game. We've got periods of the Motherwell game. We've got that yesterday. We've got the sending off at St Mirren. These are these are things that over the, the kind of body of evidence you can say right. Well, hold on a wee minute. Is this just refereeing standards are so piss poor, um, or is is it a, a case that everybody in Scotland is subject to these? I don't know. But yesterday that was a fail. We should have dealt with it better. But I was really disappointed in Ryan Jack's attempt. I thought it was a breeding butter when when in the body air and that they've been back in their box. I think Partick Thistle fans this weekend would probably say it's all of them. Um, for those of you who haven't seen it, just just look at Partick Thistle go, uh, disallowed goal from the weekend, um, which was spectacular in its ineptness. Um, then after it, Celtic, uh, I think, decide that they'll sit back and try and hit us on the break. Rangers do come more into it. Alfie wants himself a good chance. 
and uh, forces a save from the goalkeeper. Our best chance falls a few minutes for the end. James Tavernier in the box takes a shot early but screws it wide. And then the game sort of just peters out. Rangers get more, much more territorially and are obviously coming forward but don't create an awful lot during that period if we're being totally honest. And in the end, much as it pains me to say it, Celtic deserved their victory. Um, they were the better side on the day. We've touched upon the you know the circumstances of the travel from Russia, which I think is probably the main thing, and a grueling match as well. But I think the travel in particular just adds to that. Just if you like, amplifies that and makes it makes it more uh, of an issue. And I think that there have been signs that the team could do with this couple of weeks anyway um, of the international break over the last wee while. So so we've got here just now, but. I'll be quite honest, Andy, right? I fucking hate those cunts, right? And it's 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 not even, you know, I'm, I'm not even trying to be amusing with that. It's just, I cannot fucking stand them. I hate everything about them, from the fucking Meccano Stadium to the, the, the almost stultifying uniform ugliness of their crowds to their shitey kit to the fucking media lapdogs, everything about them, they are the evil empire, right? Horrible, horrible cunts. And I admit, I am just desperate for Rangers to give them the well-deserved black eye that they fucking deserve. And does that magnify my disappointment today when maybe I should be being more reasonable and going, well, you know, this, that, the other, look at the circumstances, etc. It's really natural, David. Um, as I say, I was disappointed because... I felt we were capable of so much more football-wise. And uh, as you say, this desire just to turn the corner when it comes to playing Celtic is palpable amongst us Spurs. So it's only natural. Um, however, I, I've got a wee bit of a different angle on this. I'm a wee bit more sanguine than I should be for a for a Rangers supporter that's just watched my team get beat yesterday after them, for the whatever time that was. What you've got to remember, and, and what I would say of oh, a fellow Bears that I'm probably off to speak to in this podcast, is that what you've got to remember here is that um, their world will collapse if we ever get this right. And they're singing about 10 in a row. Mentally, they've achieved 10 in a row. Um, and the hubris is there for all to see, you know what I mean? Laps on and all this kind of stuff. If this doesn't come through for them, then you're talking about a mental scarring which is up there with Helicopter Sunday again. So we have got to sit here and remember that they have, so, they have got so much more to lose than us right now, do you know that? And I think at some point if we lay a glove on them, because that was the annoying thing yesterday, we didn't really, over the 90 minutes, we didn't lay a glove on them for being serious. But over the piece, over this season, if we start to apply a wee bit of pressure to them, and actually, the, the seed of doubt is put back in their mind because I think the seed of doubt was, was starting to ferment with this transfer window, right? Because they're sitting there saying, oh, we're throwing away 10 in a row and all crap, right? I think if we can actually get that to actually grow a wee bit, then you've got a chance. No, we go back to when we were kind of super dominant and we were going for nine in a row, 10 in a row, and that kind of stuff. And you get, once you go 10 in a row, I don't know about you too, but. You start to get squeaky bum time, as Fergus used to say, because once you get to that point, it's all or nothing. Nobody's ever going to look back and say, oh, I remember the eight in a row team with Celtic and six of them were when Rangers were in the open leagues. Nobody's going to say that's a good thing. They need to achieve 10 in a row. We need to remember that. And we need to remember that this House of Cards phrase that's becoming more and more apparent is a true thing. Now, if we did, we didn't have been them yesterday. 
And if we did beat them yesterday, does it mean anything in the long, big, bigger scale? Probably a wee bit of black as you say, plus it gives tremendous belief. But going into this season, uh, what we've seen the last 12 games, personally speaking, I've got tremendous belief. I am telling everybody that listen to me, I still believe that we will challenge. Um, I may be dreadfully wrong and I may be uh, eating humble pie in two months' time, I don't know. But I just think that there's a wee bit more palpable resilience, there's a wee bit more quality in the team and uh, this will come right because we've got the right man in charge. I think so. I mean, I People know who listen to this show, I love the manager, I think he's doing well overall. I think he got it wrong yesterday, I thought his substitutions as well were too late and yep. uh, I, I think he had, a, he had a bad day at the office, but he's had more good ones so far um, and I think that we are on the right track. And, and we do need to remember, I know this is boring for people, but we do need to remember it is two months into it. Uh, he said a great thing afterwards where he said um, they've had 150 games, we've had 12 and it's spot on. We need to we need to keep moving forward. We have a series of matches which on paper, James, should be 15 points coming up now. And I think this is the test. This, I think that we'll be in a better place to judge where we are in a month. Because I would say overall, you take everything into context, you look at Europe, you look at you know domestically, which has been disappointing. And I know that some people have said five from 12, worse since 1989. Well, firstly, we won the fucking league that year. And secondly, I think we can all see why the, the situation is. But yes, I'm disappointed. I was more disappointed in terms of the result with Motherwell and Aberdeen because that's four points we should have had, in which case nobody would be bothered at all. But I do think that he's the right guy, but he did... Yesterday, have a bad day at the office. I thought. Oh, without doubt, he's the right guy. But yes, he he got it wrong yesterday. Um, particularly the substitution. So as you know, I'm I'm screaming, thinking, where is Candace? You know, I was like, why did it take so long to get him on? And why why is Middleton coming on before Candace and stuff like that? Because I'm thinking, you know, someone like someone like that is going to help out to have a wee bit more. Who's got that bit of press and a bit of speed and a bit of drive? would have really made a difference. So I don't quite understand why it took so long for that substitution to happen. But I think it's important to remember as well, you know, you talk about the league, four games so far, three of those four games are probably some of the toughest games that you're going to get in the league this season. You know, away at Aberdeen, who, you know, we we are their cup final every single year, every time that they play us we are their cup final. So they're going to give everything there. And for the first game of the season, that's amped up even more. And it's just six seconds of switching off right at the end that costs us getting a very, very respectable victory considering the circumstances. St Mirren, routine win considering we're down to 10 men for a long period of that as well. Motherwell, they are, you know, they're going to be one of the, you know, tougher teams to play in the league this season by far and you know the, the way that they play is you know that's that's how they play I'm not going to criticise it that you know you, you've got to be able to match that but you know they, they are tough as well and then you've got the midden yesterday as well so that is a that is a tough set of fixtures to, to start with and five points from 12 isn't good enough it's never going to be good enough for Rangers absolutely but then if you take into account not only Europe but the League Cup as well, away at Kilmarnock, that's not an easy fixture as as was found last season, but probably our best domestic performance came in that game. 
So again, there's another sign of improvement and Europe just blows the idea of this season up to now being somewhere in the region of, and I'm quoting what other people have said here, disastrous. It's completely nonsense. It's not at all because look at, did anyone expect us to be in this position in Europe? No, not at all. Um, I think the majority of us thought that Maribor would be would be the kind of curtain call for us on that for this season. And to be where we are in that is sensational. And see, to be honest, if you had given me that scenario the past week there of we get the result at Ufa, but we just come up short against Celtic, I'd have probably taken that because Europe, for what it gives us, for the prestige, for you know the income that it gets, for the nights under the floodlights at Ibrox, absolutely <coughs> by far that outweighs one game at theirs because we've got another three games against them over the season and the point that Andy made about you know they'll implode if they don't do 10 they will implode the next time that we beat them because mm-hmm. in their opinion they are completely unstoppable against us if we beat them just a one time then that will be you will see something rather remarkable from them I absolutely guarantee it and the fact that we lost Yesterday, it just means that we're one step closer to getting that win. That's a positive way of looking at it. Um, although I must admit, I do. I feel confident going forward that we are going to going to beat them. And I know that some Rangers fans will say, "Oh, there's not, nothing to suggest that." I, I don't think that's true. I really don't. And I'd love I'd, I'd love to be playing them on Wednesday at Ibrox. I would love a go at that. But um, it is what it is, and we'll, we'll need to wait. Speaking of. Uh, the hooped hordes there's a cognitive dissonance I think in some of the pronunciations and their actions because of course you know that we don't exist and uh, we are only saying they don't really consider us our rivals and all that shite and I'm sure some of you have seen John Hartson saying that if Celtic are Manchester City then Rangers are QPR or West Brom a championship side and uh, Aberdeen are our biggest rivals um, yet the biggest attendance at the ground this season the uh, uh, they do a fucking lap of honour, which is just, uh, honestly, I, I've never heard anything quite so pathetic. And then they're all over social media jizzing their pants about getting a victory. Like I say, there's, uh, I, I don't judge people on their words, I judge them in their actions. And I think that Celtic aren't as good at hiding things as, well, they were good at hiding things in the past, Andy, but even that's starting to come out now. <laughs> Uh, can we talk about that? No. Not yet. I'll, 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 not yet. I'll, not yet. Give it, give it, give it a month uh, or two. I'll, I'll tell you a wee kind of insight for yesterday. So I was lucky enough to be there. Or lucky enough, I say lucky enough. Lucky enough to get a ticket, I should say. And uh, I made my way up Springfield Road through the Emirates to the, the kind of London Road bit where we, we go into the, the stadium. And they call us zombies, right? Which is amusing because... If you've ever watched Dawn of the Dead, right, you remember when all the zombies kind of make their way kind of intuitively to the, the shopping mall because that's where they go and they all stand at the wire fence but they can't get through the wire fence because they're too stupid to get through it so they all just stand there and stare through the wire fence to the shopping mall. Well, <laughs> we turned up at London Road and as the bears were gathering, I looked across to their, just their kind of car park space in front of the main stand, uh, a magnificent main stand of theirs, and they were all standing at the wire fence staring out at us to try to shout us and try to sing things at us and I was like this is like Dawn of the Dead why are they, why are they no are we in the ground or are we amusing ourselves or something like that they, they had to make it their business to go and see to you aye to try and yeah. find us 
Uh, after the game, was he saying? Not so much. Not not so much yeah. Dawn of the Dead, Andy, as Dawn of the Inbred. <laughs> or Dawn of the Ned, so the, perhaps. Dawn, Dawn of the Ned, that's a good one. So, the, the kind of, it was amusing, because we were laughing. What the fuck are they doing? <laughs> We're still shouting who it is. We couldn't really hear them. Uh, and then we could eventually hear you're no Rangers anymore. So, uh, you're right, they're, they're a strange bunch. They, they were no Rangers, but that is a... I sell out. I believe that there was. I was right at the court, uh, the segregation, and there was the section there. I believe was the part that they had to sell additional tickets for. So every single one of those clowns sitting there bought that specifically to come and see see their team play us. They unveil a banner at half time. You're not Rangers anymore. And then at the end of the game, because they beat whoever we are. I don't know who we are, but the beat is for one goal. There's a lap of honour. <laughs> there's just a lap of honour. I was actually thinking, fuck it, where's the, when's the trophy coming out? Because it was, it was a bit much. It was a bit forced, and and even everything from their, uh, their stadium announcer to the kind of scoreboard, everything's a bit. They have to tell us that they're the best and the finest, and all right, we get it. But I, I can't remember us being like that. No, I, 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 I think it is that inferiority. Yeah, it's 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 true. It's it's, it's the same when they contact. Uh, me on social media and I don't know why they bother I could just block the fuckers you know if I wanted to read uh, if I wanted to read comments by illiterates I would walk to a local special school um, which funnily enough is, is a saint something but I um, it's always affirmation it's always we're great we're so wonderful you can't even challenge us and it's like who are you trying to convince here me or you it's it's very much their mindset and it is it's, it's just a peculiar I mean, their inferiority complex is well deserved. They have mirrors, I'm sure, so it's understandable that they have that that sense of of inferiority. And uh, uh, who knows? Maybe it's the the schools. Uh, I I don't quite know. Now, um, before we move on, Andy, you did want to to draw attention to, to some of the Neanderthal behaviour from some of their players. Uh, so, um, I've got I've got a bit of being my boy about policing and security and the kind of general planning at football matches ever since the Scottish Cup final. Call me crazy, but I do, right? And if, if something harms the games, I tend to fly it up and I'll contact the, the match commander or the club or whatever because I, I think it needs to be drawn attention. Now, now that, this isn't just a Rangers thing, this is a wider football support thing. So if there are any other team supporters listening to this, it's crazy how it may sound. This this is something that affects him as well because we seen or we read about the crushing yesterday um, at the turnstiles at, at Parkhead and to be honest this is because of barcode entry and this is something that last year I wrote to Partick Thistle and the Chief Inspector the Match Commander as I do and says see your, your, your barcode entry it doesn't work it's a joke and actually you shouldn't even have a safety certificate so that's that out of the way. But what I was wanting to point out yesterday, because a lot of bears wouldn't have seen it because they were watching it on the TV, is that they said lack of honour, right? So we were told before the game that um, by email through Greg Marshall, the supposedly is on that we were going to be kept in after the game. And that's fair enough because anybody that's been to away games in Europe and stuff like that, it's kind of part of the course and it helps the, the police manage the exit for the ground. So that's fair enough. So every bear in there knew they were going to be kept in I'd actually asked a couple of coppers, he says, aye, 10, 15 minutes, pal, don't worry about it, right, great. So, they didn't start a slap honour. So how this slap honour came about was because Rangers players 
went off the park and, and Gerard seen them all off the park and Gerard I, I think generally waits for the opposition team to come off the park as well and, and, and shake their hands as well but the Celtics are, the Celtic team as a whole were sitting milling about in the middle of the park as if they were waiting for something and then eventually they, they, they decided to walk around the park as a lap of honour like this was a full blown lap of honour scarfs a lot wee boys running the, 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 the crowd to get a shirt and all this kind of stuff so I'm like, why are they doing this far? And why are they doing it when they know that we're kept in here? So gradually the Rangers fans were just sitting there saying, when are we getting out of here? But it came to the point where they actually ended up at our corner. And they ended up at our corner, and obviously they're getting it big likes. Now, I want to make it clear I'm not saying that they shouldn't have had a lap on. You can have a lap on if you want, because football and rivalry and all this kind of stuff, perfectly legitimate, understandable. But when they go to your corner, you've got the club captain, a Celtic, went absolutely tonto in front of us, and they're not just in front of us, at us, looking at us, doing, the, doing all his actions, you'd be Griffiths, doing his stuff, and I defy any football supporter in the world to sit there and watch that, because what happened was there was nearly a riot, and the Rangers fans down the front, or ran to the front, and uh, there was a confrontation with the police, the police were actually stopping Rangers fans getting on the park, and we would have seen repeats of what we've seen in the Scottish Cup final, or not, if not worse, because I dare say if we go in that park, then there'll be Celtic fans in the park. So there was a real, a real danger of things going badly, badly wrong there yesterday. Um, to the point where the Rangers fans were taking their, not taking their anger, but they were venting their frustrations to the assembled police there and telling them, why are we stuck in here and why are you letting that happen? So, eventually, I think the decision was made to, to let the Rangers fans out, and we went out, and we left. And as we're walking down Springfield Road now, anybody that's been at Parkade in the past couple of years since the Commonwealth Games regeneration will know that Springfield Road's a totally different uh, environment now. You've got the Legacy Hub, you've got the Emirates, you've got the nice sweet Commonwealth Village, all that kind of stuff. I have never, ever, ever seen a Celtic fan anywhere near that street when the Rangers fans are going back to the bus. See, yesterday... They were at either side of that, that road for some reason. So they were actually standing at the side of the road, held back by police for whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, sometimes one cop and, and there was real, real danger. Uh, and eventually it blew up and had to get the horses and all the rest of it. So uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is purely and simply because I think it needs to be brought up. I think there needs to be a spotlight put on the policing and the security at all football matches now because this isn't the first time this is happening. I think um, Celtic's head of security, whatever his name is, has to be asked, why are you letting that happen on a park? Why are you not telling that team, actually, you need to get off the park, pal, because we could, you could cause bother? What is the match commander doing? Um, was the lap on a premeditated thing? Did they know it going to happen? Did they do it every match? I don't know. The bottom line is, I want to stop uh, Rangers fans and, and in particular kids at games being put in danger by by things that shouldn't be happening, and things that should be mitigated for. Um, I'd be interested to see what comes of this. I doubt anything will come out, but and I think they'll be preoccupied with the, the crushing at the turnstiles, which is which is fair fair enough, I suppose. But there's a bigger picture here. I think uh, football supporters in general are um, being put at risk when they shouldn't be. No, I would totally agree with you there. And uh, as I say, I mean, it's they're just such a classless lot, and it goes from the boardroom right through that club. Um, then they wonder. That's why they 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 have to constantly demand that people love them. It's because 
we know that any normal human being despises them because they are fucking hateable. James? Um, I can only just echo the thoughts of, of Andy. Obviously, I wasn't there, so I didn't have a first-hand experience, but from what he's saying, I, I, I believe it. You know, I, I, can, I can imagine that situation happening, no doubt as well. One one thing that I do want to raise, one thing that I have noticed is there was a lot of talk of um, you know Celtic fans when they were arriving and leaving. You know there was issues of them getting crushed, um, or you know not not to not to Hillsborough levels, but there could have been a potential for that, which is frankly scandalous for something like that to happen. For anyone to be in that situation at a football football ground is not on at all. And there is, you know, you you have to you have to remember the reason why there's so many more Celtic fans there is because Celtic have reacted to our decision to cut the allocation. Now, a lot of people turn around, and I've I've spoken to people, that, you know, they say, "Oh, you only did that because we keep we keep beating you at your at your mob," and it's like, well, it's not that at all. We are taking our our fans first because. There's a higher demand for season tickets, and we've made that decision that we're going to put our fans' priorities first. Now, we can legislate for that, absolutely. It's what Celtic have done, is they've just reacted to it, uh, but they've not really thought it through. If an incident did happen, then, you know, someone involved in that process of organising, you know, fans going to that game, they would have had a hell of a lot to answer for. So, you know, we're thankful that nothing bad did happen. But if it did, then you know that's they've they've done that on the back of what what we've done, which is perfectly legitimate. So you know there, there seemed like a lot of issues yesterday, and it seemed it seemed strange that you know it seemed you know, I say it seems strange that all sorts of things are going on. But it's an all fun game. Things are going to happen. You're going to get stories now. Of, you know people people getting chased. People getting stabbed all that kind of stuff and it's just a nonsense you know they they are they are the most hypocritical lot that you could ever find when they say you know you don't matter to us anymore and yet they act like that it's stupid it's pathetic from them good riddance you know james i I agree with everything you said there and i think that is an important point but i was really kind of aiming more for you to just go with a what a bunch of cunts or celtic um angle (laughs) So you, 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 yeah, I know, I know, but you're trying to give, trying, trying to give no, the no, you, you, you're gonna like, you're the kind of posh, poncy one now on the show, right? You're, you, <laughs> I'm grooming you to take over, not not Celtic grooming. I'm grooming you to take over from Scott, and you, you know, read me better, read me better, James. I was, I was going, for, I was going. For, basically, what I wanted you to do was to call them all cunts, challenge them to a fight, and then sing the sash with add-ons. <laughs> So, just sit there and think about what you didn't do. I think it's probably can I can I make up for it by telling a story about Gigi Picali? Maybe next week. Um, right, <laughs> just before we wrap up for the show. Oh, before we do, I think you know this is obviously negative after an old firm defeat. But I think overall, yeah, I wish we had four more points. Right, absolutely. But if you'd said to me that we would be in the position we are right now. At the start of the season, Andy, I would have fucking swallowed, I was going to say your hand, but other appendages if necessary to be here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm over the moon with where we are 
regardless of yesterday. And, and going into this game yesterday, I, I still said, like, if we get beat, we get beat. But there, there is too much going on correctly on and off the park, but particularly on the park, to throw the baby out of the bathwater because you get beat after you <laughs> Now, uh, the, the European thing is... You can't just have that in a bubble and say, well, that's Europe and this is domestic. No. You have to look at a squad or the piece. We have had a super early start that's sunk us many a time before, sunk better teams than us as well. We've come through it fantastically well. Sunday package was just a bridge too far, probably understandable, probably giving the benefit of the doubt. Yes, there were things we could do better, but I think this team uh, and most Bears listeners that have watched the team should be taking great heart for where we are. We've got players that haven't even kicked the ball for us yet. We've got Grezda. Mm-hmm. We've got um, the, the boy Morrow just signed as well, who, who incidentally looks like a sh- big shit house when you see him in the flesh. Um, so, nah, I'm, I'm very positive um, going forward. You mentioned the next 12 games. I just think if we get through September, we should be fine and then we take it for there. Now, we have an announcement. Um, drum roll in your head etc and that is that uh, they said I would never play at Ibrox well it turns out they were wrong because on Friday the 28th of September Heart and Hand Live will be taking place in the Ibrox suite at Ibrox Stadium Uh, yes the, the, the club have asked us to do one of our live nights at the stadium and uh, obviously we have agreed uh, a big a big signing for them James this summer Heart and Hand Live Yes, massive. Um, I'm incredibly excited about this, so much so that I'm going to cut a holiday date one short so that I can make it. Um, it's it's going to be... Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait for it. Um, but, yeah, brilliant. You know, Kudos to both yourself and everyone involved, I think, as we said, because of you know the work that's gone in and the community that's been built up. Um, everyone... You know, involved listeners, whether you're on Patreon or not, you've kind of contributed toward this happening. So, yeah, it's onwards and upwards. Happy days. Tickets will go on sale for this on Thursday night at seven o'clock um, online. They'll be on sale on our Twitter feed, on our be on sale to the patrons on the Patreon site. Before that, though, they'll get exclusivity at it, and we're very much looking forward to it. It's going to be a great night, and. Uh, I think uh, it should be entertaining, Andy. Uh, I think we will uh, very much look forward to it. You know there's going to be journalists coming hoping that we say... say I was going to say, we've, we've had a good run. I've enjoyed it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your retirement. <laughs> Enjoy my retirement at HMP Sochton. Uh, yeah, I, I hear the rooms are fairly uniform. So, yeah, please keep your eyes peeled. You'll be able to get tickets, as I say, on our Twitter, on our website, heartandhand.co.uk, which we urge you all to visit. And you can also now follow us on Instagram, um, which is Heart and Hand Podcast. The Instagram, if you search for us, all the latest news, cool stuff happening over there, please go and have a look at it. And of course, um, if you want to, you know, donate more money to us, I should point out, incidentally, you're not just donating money to us with this live show. It's the club, you know, that's the point of it. That's why we're doing it. But uh, although, of course, with um, ticket prices coming out, and I'll just get your thoughts on that actually before we wrap up, gents. Ticket prices for the three European games for season ticket holders, the package is a hundred and five quid. Your thoughts, Andy? Uh, I think it's fair. 
Grant, fair enough. And uh, with that, then, I will just uh, tell you to visit us on Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Usually four or five shows per day on everything related to football and other stuff as well, actually. I think you'll enjoy it. Please check it out. Just one ninety nine per month. Thank you to our executive producers in London, Mr. Knightley and Paul Miles. And thank you to my two guests today, the irrepressible James Forrest. Thank you very much, David. The ever-wonderful Mr. Andy McGowan. Pleasure as always, David. I'll be back to talk to you next week. There's no heart and hand extra this week because obviously we don't have a game to preview um, due to the international break. But until I speak to you again, everyone have a fabulous week and I'll speak to you next week. Cheers. Bye. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.